Dorian, would you pray for our time in the Word? Father, again, I come to you, and I uh, praise and I appreciate and I thank you for everything that you are doing and will be doing for us, Father. Yes, Father, again, I also pray for each and every person not feeling well today that, Lord, Lord, you lay your hand upon them. Yes. And and anyone with any issues, Father, the same. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. 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 I'm not sure who's with us online today, but whoever's there, good morning to you. We're going to get to our time of worship now.
recognize that worship is about you. Worship is about giving you all of our attention, all of our affection, setting our hearts and our minds on you, Lord. Pray even as we sing this next song that you would revive us, that you would revive us as a church, Lord. That even though we've sung this song a million times, it would be new to us today. That you would revive us, God. Hear our prayer, Lord.
you, Lord God. Father, yet again, you've given us a day to gather, Lord, rather together or through Facebook Live, that we may come and open up your word and, Father, find encouragement for this day. God, I pray, Lord, Father, that you would cultivate our hearts, God, that our hearts would be of good soil to receive thy word, that it be planted and firmly rooted into our hearts, God, that it may bring forth fruit from our lives. God, that we truly would be awakened and see the urgency of the hour and the days that are ahead. Father, I thank you that you would strengthen us and encourage us, Lord, that we would not be overtaken by evil, but that, God, that we would be firmly rooted and grounded in Christ. I thank you, Father, for the truth that those who are in Christ have been engrafted into a kingdom that cannot be shaken. I thank you, Father, that you've called us out of darkness and into your marvelous light that we may go forth and be agents of reconciliation. God, that you've given us that ministry, each one of us, the ministry of reconciliation, to go forth and announce to the world to be reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, who is the only way to God the Father. So I pray, God, that you would give us another level of boldness, that we would speak, that we would live out the truth in which we know, the truth in which we, we possess, that we would not waste another hour, another second, another day in complacency and lukewarmness, but that, God, that we would be, Lord, revived, refreshed, and restored, that we would be alert, that we would be mindful that we do have an enemy that is roaming around seeking whom he may devour. I pray, God, that you would make us watchmen on the wall, that you would draw us into deeper prayer and intercession and fasting in this hour, Lord. I thank you, God, that you would give us a greater level of hunger and thirst for your word, that we would open it up and we would begin to devour it, that we would begin to meditate upon it, that we would begin to apply it. I pray, God, that you would expose the fruitless deeds of darkness in our lives, and that, God, you would give us the strength to throw off the sin that so easily entangles us. So, Father, come, Lord Jesus. We need you, Holy Spirit. Have your way among us and within us and through us, Lord. That your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that you would receive all the glory and honor. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7. Don't be misled. The justice of God will not be mocked. You will harvest what you plant. What have you been planting? How has your week been? How has your day been? We have to understand this concept that what we give ourselves to is what will come back on us. Are you sowing in the Spirit the Bible says that if you walk habitually in the Spirit, you won't gratify the desires of the flesh. 
Are you sowing into righteousness? Are you sowing into holiness? Are you sowing in to, 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 to the knowledge of Christ and who He is and honoring Him with your life? These are the questions that you have to answer. The reality of, of the day and age in which we are living. There's no way to get around it. There's no way to continue to let sin to entertain us as, or to keep drawing us away from the presence of God. We understand if you're reading your word and you're looking about what's going on, the world is just getting more and more chaotic. And I've been encouraging us for quite some time, even before COVID, even before the uprising, the days are getting darker. The days are getting darker. Who would have thunk it that we are living in a time and a day and an age and our nation where Christ, the statues of Christ would want to be tumbled down, that the churches would want to be silenced in our nation. Oh, church, we got to wake up. We got to wake up. We got to get on the right side of history. We got to stop playing games and walling around in the temporalness of this life. We got to see with our spiritual eyes what is going on. We don't get caught up in it. We don't get overwhelmed by it. We don't get oppressed by it. No, it should embolden us. It should strengthen us. It should encourage us to get deeper into Christ. Are you in Christ today? Are you praying with authority today? Are you praying from, from the position of victory and not a position of defeat? Are you seeking Him? The Bible says you, if you, if you, you will find Him if you seek Him with your whole heart. Not with a divided heart. Not with, with, with one foot in and one foot out. One desire over here and a desire over here and, and maybe a little desire for Him. No, no. It's all or nothing. We are the church of the living God. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And that which we sow, that which we plant, we will harvest. We will reap back upon us. God is a just God. He is a merciful God. He is a loving God. But he's a God that will not tolerate rebellion. Are you seeking him? Are you loving him with your whole heart? Have you seen your need for a savior? Have your eyes been open to who Jesus Christ is? Are you loving him? Have you embraced the truth? Have you been born again? Born of the spirit? Awaken with a fresh vision and a fresh purpose in life. I want us to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. What are you sowing to? 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Nope, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 14 through 17. And then I'm going to keep reading. Chapter 3, verses 1 through 18. And I'm going to keep reading chapter 4 through 1 through 18. Starting at chapter 2, verse 14. 
But thank God, He has made us His captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now He uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. See, there's only two types of people. Those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. And who is adequate for such a task as this? You see, we are not like the many hucksters who preach for personal profit. We preach the word of God with sincerity and with Christ's authority, knowing that God is watching us. Are we beginning to praise ourselves again? Are we like others who need to bring you letters of recommendation or who ask you to write such letters on their behalf? Surely not. The only letter of recommendation we need is you yourselves. Listen to this. Your lives are a letter written in our hearts. Everyone can read it and recognize our good work among you. Clearly, you are a letter from Christ showing the result of our ministry among you. This letter is not written with pen and ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. It is carved not on tablets of stone, but on human hearts. We are confident of all of this because of our great trust in God through Christ. It is not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. He has enabled us to be ministers of His new covenant. This is a covenant not written of law, but of the Spirit. The old covenant ends in death, but under the new covenant, the Spirit gives life. The old way, with laws etched in stone, led to death. Though it began with such glory that the people of Israel could not bear to look at Moses' face, for his face shone with the glory of God, even though the brightness was already fading away. Shouldn't we expect far greater glory under the new way, now that the Holy Spirit is giving life? And the old way, which brings condemnation, was glorious. If the old way, which brings condemnation, was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way which makes us right with God? In fact, the first glory was not glorious at all compared within the overwhelming glory of the new way. So if the old way which was, has been replaced was glorious, how much more glorious is the new which remains forever? Since this new way gives us such confidence we can be very bold. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel would not see the glory, even though it was destined to fade away. 
but the people's minds were hardened. And to this day, whenever the Old Covenant is being read, the same veil covers their minds, so they cannot understand the truth. And this veil can be removed only by believing in Christ. Yes, even today, when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with the veil, and they do not understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit. Come on. And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Oh, and the church should say, Amen. We are the church. Our eyes have been opened. If we have called upon the name of the Lord Jesus and we believe in our heart and He is the Son of God and that He's risen from the dead, we've been born again of a new nature filled with the Spirit of God, called of God, anointed of God by God, and appointed by God. We are ministers of this new covenant. We now carry the Holy Spirit within. We are the temple of God. And we ought to be honoring God. And we ought to be sowing. And we ought to be planting that which is righteous, which is honorable, which is pure, which is good, which is right. Not seeking ourselves. Not clinging to temporal relationships and temporalness of this life. To, find, to fulfill us? No, we have been made whole. We are freed people, and our message is one of freedom. We are no longer slaves to sin, but now we are slaves to righteousness because of Christ. Are you preaching the gospel? Are you sharing the gospel? Are you offering this good news to others? Because if you're not, I'm not sure what you're doing. Ah, so you go to church, who cares? Not in this day and age. It doesn't matter. Everyone goes to church. But where are the true Christians? Where are the people of God? Who are not backing down. Who are not timid. But bold in their faith. Strengthened by the Holy Spirit. Seeking Christ. Instead of walling around. In condemnation and shame and guilt. It doesn't matter what you're facing. If we are Christians, we are in Christ. We know this temporal world, we will have trouble. But we have been called to be of good cheer. <laughs> because He in whom we believe in has already overcame the world. Are you living like you're an overcomer? Come on, we got to get up from wallowing around. we got to get up. Our mindset has to be renewed daily. Moment by moment, hour by hour, second by second, taking every thought captive and bringing it to the obedience of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Are you living as a Christian? 
Or are you, are you just living as someone who has a form of religion and don't, that doesn't even know the power of God? Come on, we got to wake up. We got to wake up. <laughs> Listen to the Word of God. Listen to what the Word of God is saying. How the men of God was inspired to write this letter to the church in Corinth. They were being persuaded by so-called ministers that were coming in and trying to water down the gospel. And they are being reminded of who they are in Christ and how they ought to be living. Listen as we go into chapter 4. Therefore, since God in His mercy has given us this new way, can we all just say new way? We never give up. Highlight that, circle that verse. (laughs) Therefore, since God has given us this new way, we never give up. We reject all shameful deeds and underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the Word of God. We tell the truth before God. And all who are honest know this. If the good news we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Remember, there's only two types of people. Those who are perishing and those who are living. (laughs) Those who are being saved. Come on. Verse 4, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light, listen to this, shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for you. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus 
and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be a great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles. Come on. We can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. Ah, what are you sowing to? What are you planting? Because what you're sowing to and what you are planting is going to come back on you. And oh, how I pray that you hear scripture today. As a Christian, how you are to be living. Oh, I pray that you would have a desperate hunger for the word of God and for the truth of God than to get rooted in Christ and to get discipled so that you're able to stand in this hour and in the days to come. Oh, how I pray that in the days to come you will really grasp verse 4 and chapter, I'm sorry, verse 8 and chapter 4 where you understand that we will be pressed on every side by troubles but we will not be crushed. We will be perplexed, but not driven to despair. We will be hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We will get knocked down, but we are, will not be destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. We have to have our thoughts transformed. Instead of just living a humdrum life, poor me, poor me, poor me. Look at my circumstances. Look at the way I feel. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. No one wants to look at you. Stop looking at yourself. Look to Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of your faith. Either He's God or He's not. Either He's Lord or He's not. But I choose to believe He is. I choose to believe that there are greater things for us. I believe that we can walk in the fullness of what Christ has for us today, even though we are going through all these different circumstances. And we will continue to go through. I believe that God will give us the strength to endure until He calls us home. But we must take our eyes off of ourselves. We must stop giving in to our feelings and our wounds and our insecurities and our circumstances. If we would think more upon Christ than we do all this other stuff, our lives would be different. Our circumstances may not be, but oh, trust me, our lives would be because we wouldn't just be caving in to anything and everyone. No, we would be able to stand in the assurance of who Christ is. And we will call upon the name of the Lord. 
that his kingdom will come, that his will will be done on earth as this is in heaven. And Lord, how can we go forth this day that your glory would be made known in this wicked and perverse generation? And though I'm in this wicked and perverse generation, I thank you, Lord, that I have the Holy Spirit within me that can keep me upright and, from, and from keep me from being crooked and will keep me moving forward instead of just taking up camp. Are you fighting with the sword? Are you wearing the armor? You are behind enemy lines. Are you fighting for your family, for your city, for your nation, for the nations? Are you seeking God in this hour? Oh, how you should be. And if you're not, you need to really get before Christ if you're calling yourself a Christian and figure out why you're not. Ask, seek, knock. It just can't be a form of religion. It just can't be signing in to, to, uh, to view a church service. It can't just be showing up and sitting in church and nothing happens to your life. You're the same crooked, wicked, perverse person down and out all the time and nothing changes. Oh, but praise God. Who wants that God? If he can't transform you, then what kind of God is he? How can you proclaim the truth and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and live still enslaved to the old man, to the old woman? Your life is no longer your own in Christ. You have nailed that wretched man, that wretched woman, to his cross. Now live. Be free. Go forth. Declare the good news. Unless you believe the lie, well, not everyone is called to preach. That is a lie. <laughs> Open up your mouth and speak because you're talking a lot of nonsense with other, any other way. So you might as well talk the truth. You might as well preach the truth. You might as well preach the gospel. Get up, wake up. The time is urgent. The hour is now. What are you sowing? How is your life going? Open up your heart to Christ and receive Jesus. Be empowered by the Holy Spirit to go forth and to live it out. Be an expression of freedom. Be a fragrance unto God. And however else anyone else wants to see, that's up to them. Because either they're being saved or they're perishing. You can't change that. All you can do is keep living it. And trusting God with those around you. Tomorrow... They call it the day of the martyr, of the Christian martyr. And I'll post what I'm passing out. I keep telling us and reminding us all around the world, 
that Christians are being martyred. They're dying at a level that the earth has never seen before. They're being chased out of their cities, out of their communities. They have to leave everything behind. They're running for their lives. Some are remaining behind, declaring the gospel. But they're soon to be martyred. Christ is not welcomed in this world. You can't keep yoking, trying to yoke darkness with light because it doesn't work. It's Christ or nothing. It's not some Christ and everything else. No, it's Christ and Christ alone. Our brothers and sisters on the other side of the world, they understand when they bow their knee to Christ, their lives are different. There's no wishy-washiness. No, they understand. Their eyes have been opened. They see Jesus for who He is. Your life, God, not mine any longer. And they seek to advance His kingdom. And many of them are losing their lives because of it. And so tomorrow I ask that you think upon the persecuted church. I actually ask that you do it every day. But tomorrow's a day that this ministry, the voice of the martyrs, sets aside each year to really reflect on Christians that are, that are martyrs. So I want to read to you this pastor that they're highlighting his life tomorrow. Each year they pick a certain pastor, a certain Christian to kind of highlight their lives. And it says, inspired by those who love God with all. His name is Pastor Jean-Paul. I'm not even going to try to say his last name or butcher it. But Pastor Jean-Paul planted a church in a Muslim neighborhood outside of Bengal, capital of the Central Africa Republic in 1993. He maintained good relations with the community for years. But civil war between the rebels and the government forces and the militias changed everything. Most of the pastor's church members fled this area as hostility increased toward Christians. And even the pastor's wife, Mary, urged him to leave the area and work someplace safer. But Pastor Jean-Paul stayed in obedience to what he believed God had called him to do. On February 7, 2017, the Islamists shot Pastor Jean-Paul to death outside his church before looting and burning his house and church. Mary said they killed her husband because the community no longer wanted Christians in the area. She and, past, she and the pastor had been married 48 years and had 11 children and 17 grandchildren. After losing not only her husband, but also her home and all of her possessions, Mary had no choice but to leave the area. Five other evangelical pastors in this region were also killed in the first five weeks of 2017. Pastor Jean-Paul knew the risk. 
counted the cost, and willingly stayed to shepherd his small congregation and to serve as a witness for Christ in the neighborhood. Do you listen to that last description of this pastor? He knew the risk. He counted the cost. And he willingly stayed to shepherd his small congregation and serve as a witness for Christ in the neighborhood. Daily, are you taking in and are you understanding the risk? Are you counting the cost? Are you willing to serve as a witness for Christ among your family, your friends, within your city, within the neighborhood? Or do you just show up for church and then go out the rest of the week living however you want? Oh, come on. And that's how you're living. Come to Christ. Come to Jesus. Come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. We've got to stop just having a form of religion and denying His power. we got to live out. And we got to again stop believing the lie. Oh, that's just for some, but not for all. No, because there's going to come a time where you have to give an account for how you lived. And do you really think that you're going to stand before Him with a loose life, <laughs> living however you want, Maybe you did some gospel work. <laughs> but that's all it was, was work. It wasn't a life. And he will look at you and he will say, depart from me. I don't know you. You worker of iniquity. And how sad. How sad there are people within the church who just hold a form of religion thinking that they are right with God and yet... They don't even know God. Rather, God doesn't know them. You gotta wake up. You gotta wake up. Listen. Do you know the risk? Now, granted, we're not yet in our nation like the risk that they're facing over there. But do you understand the risk of being a Christian in the United States today? Speak up. Stop being intimidated. Oh, but I may lose my job. I may lose this. I may lose that. And you're allowing the fear of man, the fear of losing temporal things to keep you silent? Ah, come on. Your life has got to back up what you're speaking to. Do you understand the risk of what it means to be a Christian Things are escalating quickly, 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 quickly. You got to get up from, from the, the spiritual milk and you got to start chewing on some steak. You got to get up. You got to seek Him. We don't have time. Time is running. So you have to understand the risk. You have to count the cost. You have to serve as a witness to Christ and of Christ. The good news, the freedom that is found in Christ. 
the joy that is found in Christ. We look differently at things that are going on. We are to consider it joy when we suffer for Christ. It is our pleasure because we recognize we're already dead to this world. This life is not our home. You're here one day and you're gone the next. You have life one second, it's gone the next. How is your life going to be spent? I love the title of this. Inspired by those who love God with all. They consider the cost. My life is not my own. I will preach Christ and the freedom of Christ, the gospel of Christ, till I have no breath left. Oh, how I pray that we can be inspired. What is a martyr? According to the original Greek, the word martyr actually means witness. Martyrs throughout the history of the church testify to the truth and power of Jesus Christ and believe that they should take that witness to others regardless of the cost. These martyrs, including Pastor Jean Paul, have all shared a common passion for God. Their passion prevailed over their fear of the severe consequences of being caught sharing God's love with others. Did you hear that? Their passion for Christ prevailed over their fear of the severe consequences of being caught sharing God's love with others. Perhaps part of their passion came from knowing the high price of what they possess. When faith costs us something, it becomes infinitely more valuable. Let's hear that again. When faith costs us something, it becomes infinitely more valuable. Mark 12, verse 30. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. So what does Pastor John Paul's martyrdom inspire? Those who have given their lives through the advance of the gospel did so as the next step in their journey of discipleship. They did not simply wake up one day living a marginal Christian experience and decide, today I'll give my life for my faith. No one is born as an exemplary biblical disciple. Quite the opposite. We are all born into sin in a fallen world. Each of us must intentionally learn, obey, and grow to become more and more Christ-like throughout the entirety of our lives. Each of us can be inspired to live faithfully for Christ by observing the transformative power of Christ and those who have paid the ultimate price. Drawing from their example, we can take the next step of obedience in our journey as followers of Christ. Always taking our next step is the mark of a maturing believer. Are you maturing? Are you growing? Oh, how I pray you are. Let's go to Deuteronomy. We're going to be reading through chapters 9 and 10 today. 
Oh, how I pray that we would be inspired by those who have given it all. First inspired by Christ and Christ first, but to be encouraged and inspired by brothers and sisters who understood what it meant to count the cost, to take the risk, to serve faithfully, to think of others before we think of ourselves, to lay our lives down so that others could possibly hope to come to Christ and find what it means to truly live. God is setting a people apart for Himself as we have been reading in the Old Testament. And as it was then, so it is now. God has a people upon this earth and will continue to have a people upon the earth until He returns that are set aside for Him. A remnant of people throughout the nations who love Christ, who love God with all of their heart, with all of their soul, with all of their mind, with all of their bodies. They seek to honor Christ in all that they do. They are not perfect, but they are humbled. They are maturing. And as I've been challenging us for quite some time for us to mature, our goal isn't perfection. We will be perfected when we are finally with Him. But until then, we are to be growing. We are to be maturing. We read last week that the privilege of holiness, and I reminded us that holiness is not burdensome. When you are releasing things from your past, when you are dying to the old man and to the old woman, it's not a burden, it's a privilege. With the level of freedom that comes from your life, that you can be able to stand with the assurance of not of what you've accomplished, but what He has accomplished. And that we will honor Christ. That we will live for Christ. Even when we fail, we get up, we throw off the sin that so easily entangles us, and we keep running the race that is set before us, knowing that our God will make every crooked path straight. And that in the end, we will hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. God begins this work in us. God is going to finish it. He set the Israelites aside. They are now about to enter into the promised land. They are being reminded of who God is. How to live for God, how to honor God, how to worship God, how to not forsake God. Even in the midst of blessing, even in the midst of seasons of peace and prosperity, do not forget who God is. Obey. They're being instructed of, of, to, in, in obedience. And that's what discipleship is. Remember, Jesus even says... He tells the disciples, He tells us to go. <laughs> Preach the good news. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And teach them to obey all my commands. Are you being discipled? Oh, how you ought to be. Two hours on a Sunday... One hour on a Sunday. Whatever time you give on a Sunday is not enough. It has to be a lifestyle. You have to be growing. You have to be maturing. 
lest you fall away. And we open up today. And I love the title for chapter 9. Victory by God's grace. Lest they forget, or unless we forget, we didn't do this. We couldn't have changed our lives. We couldn't have made ourselves right with God. It is God who begins this. It is God who is faithful to complete it. Listen. He says, Moses, listen, O Israel. Today you are about to cross the Jordan River to take over the land belonging to nations. This is much greater and more powerful than you. They live in cities with walls that reach to the sky. The people are strong and tall, descendants of the famous Anakite giants. You've heard the saying, who can stand up to the Anakites? But recognize today, oh, let us highlight and circle this. But recognize today that the Lord your God is the one who will cross over ahead of you like a devouring fire to destroy them. He will subdue them so that you will quickly conquer them and drive them out, just as the Lord has promised. After the Lord your God has done this for you, don't say in your hearts, the Lord has given us this land because we are such a good people. (laughs) No, it is because of the wickedness of the other nations that He is pushing them out of your way. It is not because you are so good or have such integrity that you are about to occupy their land. The Lord your God will drive these nations out ahead of you only because of their wickedness and to fulfill the oath he swore to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You must recognize that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land because you are good, for you are not. You are a stubborn people. Oh, come on. What Christ has done in our lives and for us through the cross had nothing to do with us. We are a stubborn people. We are a sinful people. Mankind is born into sin. Our nature is total rebellion against God and His kingdom. But God so loved the world that He sent His one and only Son that whoever would believe in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. God is pleased to reveal Himself to us through His Son, Jesus. That through Christ we can be reconciled back to the Father. That we would be adopted, that we would be engrafted into his family, that we would be given the right to call him Abba, to call him Daddy. That we would be an heir, a co-heir with Christ. Come on, has nothing to do with you. Has nothing, how, it doesn't have, have anything to do with how good you are, or how you try to keep the law, or how you try to do this, and try to do this, and try to do this. When you make it about yourself, Please understand, there's no good thing in you. It is all because of God. He is faithful to 
to His covenant. He is faithful to His word. He is not man that He should lie. And these people, as well as we, the church, should recognize this. And we should remember it. It's not about how good we are. It's about how good He is. Come on. And when we forget that, we become a religious people. And God help us that we would not hold a form of godliness and deny its power. He goes on. Remember and never forget how angry you made the Lord your God out in the wilderness. From the day you left Egypt until now, you have been constantly rebelling against him. Even at Mount Sinai, you made the Lord so angry he was ready to destroy you. This happened when I was on the mountain receiving the tablets of stone inscribed with the words of the covenant that the Lord had made for you. I was there for 40 days and 40 nights, and all that time I ate no food and drank no water. The Lord gave me the two tablets on which God had written with his own finger all the words he had spoken to you from the heart of the fire when you were assembled at the mountain. At the end of the forty days and nights, the Lord handed me the two, the two stone tablets inscribed with the words of the covenant. Then the Lord said to me, Get up! Go down immediately, for the people you brought out of Egypt have corrupted themselves. How quickly they have turned away from, my, from the way I commanded them to live. They have melted gold and made an idol for themselves. The Lord also said to me, I have seen how stubborn and rebellious these people are. Leave me alone so I may destroy them and erase their name from under heaven. Then I will make a mighty nation of your descendants, a nation larger and more powerful than they are. So while the mountain was blazing with fire, I turned and came down holding in my hands the two, sto- the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant. There below me I could see that you had sinned against the Lord your God. You had melted gold and made a calf idol for yourselves. How quickly you had turned away from the path the Lord had commanded you to follow. So I took the two stone tablets and threw them down on the ground, smashing them before your eyes. Then as, I before, then as before, I threw myself down before the Lord for 40 days and nights. I ate no bread and drank no water because of the great sin you have committed by doing what the Lord hated, provoking him to anger. I feared that the furious anger of the Lord, which turned him against you, would drive him to destroy you. But again, he listened to me. The Lord was so angry with Aaron that he wanted to destroy him too. But I prayed for Aaron, and the Lord spared him. I took your sin, the calf you made, that you had made, and I melted it down in the fire and ground it into fine dust. Then I threw the dust into the stream that flows down the mountain. You also made the Lord angry at Terabeth and Mathis and Kiron Habon. At Kadesh Barnea, the Lord sent you out with this command. Go up and take over the land I've given you. But you rebelled against the command of the Lord your God and refused to put your trust in Him or obey Him. Yes, you have been rebelling against the Lord as long as I have known you. 
That is why I threw myself down before the Lord for 40 days and nights. For the Lord said he would destroy you. I prayed to the Lord and said, O sovereign Lord, do not destroy them. They are your own people. They are special possessions. They are your special possession whom you redeemed from Egypt by your mighty power and your strong hand. Please overlook their stubbornness and the awful sin of these people and remember instead your servants Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If you destroy these people, the Egyptians will say the Israelites died because the Lord wasn't able to bring them to the land he had promised to give them. Or they might say he destroyed them because he hated them. He deliberately took them into the wilderness to slaughter them. But they are your people and your special possession whom you brought out of Egypt by your great strength and powerful arm. Oh, praise God for this beautiful picture of intercession. And that is what Christ is doing for us this very day and the days to come and what He has been doing. He's interceding on behalf of the church for you, for me. This new covenant in Christ is established. We are in Christ. And God is faithful to His promises. And oh, how we should be secure in that as Moses was secure in it. He knew God. He knew God was faithful. He reminded God of His faithfulness and of His covenant and of His honor. And such a beautiful picture. He was telling these Israelites, you are a rebellious people. You are a stubborn people. You keep rebelling. But God is good. And God is great. And God is merciful. And God is just. And God is loving. And He's allowing you to enter in. Oh, what a beautiful picture. What a beautiful picture. And we also see that God does not tolerate sin. God does not tolerate rebellion. We must wake up and we must have an understanding. Our lives should not reflect our rebellion. Your rebellious ways should not be the mark of your life. The mark of your life should be the love of Christ and Christ's love first upon you. Because the Bible said that He first loved us. And it's because of His great love that He willingly took the punishment that we deserved. And through His death and through the resurrection, we freely, if we call upon the name of the Lord, receive such a great salvation, a wholeness, we're not like the old Israelites. We're Christians. We are of the new covenant of Christ. He didn't do away with it. He fulfilled it. And now we live with purpose. Now we have a passion and a zeal for God and for His throne. To worship one day our God in front of His throne. All tribes, all nations, all tongues together 
corporately worshiping Jesus. We're to call out and sent in to bear fruit, to live a life that honors Christ. Again, are you going to sin? Will rebellion try to flare up? Yes. But the difference is, it shouldn't remain. The Holy Spirit brings conviction. Repent and get up and move on. Throw off the sin that so easily entangles you and get up and move on. March forward, forward, soldier. You're in the army of the Lord. You do not get entangled with civilian affairs. You are yoked with Christ. And there's a job to be done. We're to go forth and represent Christ. His kingdom come. His will be done. We're to honor Christ. These Israelites at this time, they were given everything that they need. And if you remember last week, God was going to bless them abundantly if they would just honor Him. They would just obey. And even for the New Testament, even for Christians, Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say? Jesus knows the heart of men and women. He knows who's for him and he knows who's against him. He comes to this earth and he knew that those that he came for would end up crucifying him. His purpose was the cross. His purpose wasn't just to coddle people and to pass out hugs and muffins. No, his purpose was the cross. To set the captives free. Oh, come on. Chapter 10. At that time the Lord said to me, chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones. Also make a wooden ark, a sacred chest to store them in. Come up to me on the mountain and I will write on the tablets the same words that were on the ones you smashed. Then place the tablets in the ark. So I made an ark of acacia wood and cut two stone tablets like the first two. Then I went up the mountain with the tablets in my hand. Once again, the Lord wrote the Ten Commandments on the tablets and gave them to me. They were the same words the Lord had spoken to you from the heart of the fire on the day you were assembled at the front of the mountain. Then I turned and came down the mountain and placed the tablets in the Ark of the, in the, Ark of the Covenant, which I had made just as the Lord commanded me. And the tablets are still there in the Ark. The people of Israel set out from the, from the wells of the people of Jankin and traveled to Moriah, where Aaron died and was buried. His son Eleazar ministered as a high priest in this place. Then they journeyed in this city, and from there, yeah, I'm sorry, and from there to the southern city, a land with many brooks and streams. At that time, the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the ark of the Lord's covenant and to stand before the Lord as ministers and pronounce blessings in his name. 
These are the duties to this day. That is why the Levites have no share of property of possessions of land among the other Israelite tribes. The Lord himself is their special possession, as the Lord your God told them. As for me, I stayed on the mountain in the Lord's presence for forty days and nights, as I had done the first time. And once again the Lord listened to my pleas and agreed not to destroy you. Then the Lord said to me, Get up and resume the journey. And I led the people to the land I swore to give to their ancestors, so they may take possession of it. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? He requires only that you fear the Lord your God and live in a way that pleases Him and love Him and serve Him with all of your heart and soul. And you must always obey the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good. Look, the highest heavens and the earth and everything in it all belong to the Lord your God. Yet the Lord chose your ancestors as the objects of his love. And he chose you, their descendants, above all the other nations, as is evident today. Therefore, change your hearts and stop being stubborn. For the Lord your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords. He is the great God, the mighty and awesome God, who shows no partiality and cannot be bribed. He ensures that orphans and widows receive justice. He shows love to foreigners living among you and gives them food and clothing. So you too must show love to foreigners, for you yourselves were once foreigners in the land of Egypt. You must fear the Lord your God and worship Him, look at this, and cling to Him. Your oaths must be in His name alone. He alone is your God, the only one who is worthy of your praise, the one who has done these mighty miracles that you have seen with your own eyes. When your ancestors went down into Egypt, there were only 70 of them. But now the Lord, your God, has made you as numerous as the stars in the sky. Come on, you all. This is God. Did you hear how he was described? Do you see how faithful he is? Are you getting a glimpse of his love? Are you understanding the call that is upon your life as a child of God? The Israelites are an example for us. How are you living? How are you sowing? What are you reaping? Christ has so much more for you and for me. Are we pressing in? We've got to stop being the stubborn, rebellious people. Remember, you've nailed yourself to His cross. You are to be transformed daily. Daily, maturing and growing. Reflecting Him more and more and more. Not yoked up with the chaos around you. Not yoked with people who are still rebellious. No, but you stand out and you stand up for what is right, for what is good, for what is pure, for what is holy. Rather, you're hated or not, you stand, and you stand therefore then, and the assurance of who your God is. Listen to how He is described. They were called 
to love and to obey. The same call is for us today. We are called to love and to obey. You have been set apart. We are God's people. That's who we should be living for. And that's why Jesus, when He comes and He looks and He, and he calls people or people are starting to follow Him, He tells them, consider the cost. Like nothing should come before me, He says. Not even family. Not even friends. Not even your relationships. Nothing of this temporal world should be before me. I am God. Love me. Follow me. And if you can't, then go your way. He says, you're not even fit for my kingdom if you look back. You're not fit for my kingdom. Do you understand? This is so much more than just showing up for church. It's a life to be lived. He laid his life down. He took our punishment. He rose from the dead, victorious over sin and death. What are we still shackled to it for? When we have been set free. And are you declaring this to your friends? Are you declaring this to your family? Or are you just sitting among them silent? Because it's family. You're a fool. If all you're doing is just showing up for church and remaining silent everywhere else. Fool! A fool! Because you're saying there is no God. Oh, well, so little here, so little there. No, speak up. They're going to die and enter an eternal hell. And you're playing church. Well, I just don't want, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Then you are not part of the kingdom. You're part of the problem. See, there's only two people. Those who are being saved and those who are perishing. Where are you? You're part of one or the other. Either your past is still dictating your life, your insecurities are still in, in dictating your life, your weakness and all this humdrum, blah, 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 is still dictating your life, or Christ is dictating your life. There's no other way around it. There's no other way around it. It's Christ and Christ only. You've got to speak up. You've got to live. You've got to take that which Christ has given us and you've got to live it out. Or you're just going to keep going in circles, going in circles and going in circles, making a mockery of Christ, making a mockery of His kingdom, making a mockery of His blood. And for what? Well, they're family. They're friends. Oh, and I really like to do this. Well, how can I give that up? What would my life be like? You're still looking at yourself. You're not even looking at Christ. Come on, we've got to look to Jesus. 
We've got to seek Him above all. We've got to walk in accordance as the Holy Spirit is leading to His ways. We've got to mature. It's just not about sitting in church or sitting behind a computer screen. It does you no good if it's not transforming your life. Come on, we're called to love and obey. Just as it was then, so it is now, and so it will be tomorrow, and the next generation, and the next generation, until Christ comes, and then it will be for eternity. Because this is who we are now. We are the church of the living God. We are the children of God. And by God, we've got to start walking with our heads up. And authority moved with compassion, being Christ-like, sent forth with an urgency to see people snatched from hell, to pray diligently. Are you praying? Are you fasting? Are you in the word? Are you seeking? Are you knocking? Like, we gotta wake up. We gotta wake up. There's just no more time to keep playing. Like, either this is your reality or it's not. Again, there's either those being saved or those who are perishing. There's no in between. There's no in between. There's no in between. For Christ or against Him. There's nowhere you will find in the New Testament or even the Old Testament. (laughs) But we're told that we can just keep living however we want. Just live however you want. You won't see it anywhere. Go study Jesus' words. Go see what Jesus says. He knows who He is and what He has come to do and that He will be returning to gather those who belong to Him. Oh, that we would have ears to hear. Go to Luke chapter 8, verse 4 through 21. Luke chapter 8. We read this last week from another gospel. But here it is in Luke as well. One day Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant his seed. As he scattered it across the field, some seed fell on the the footpath where it was stepped on and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among the rocks and it began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell along thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. Still other seed fell on fertile soil. 
This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. When he had said this, he called out, Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. And he replied, You are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of God. But I use parables to teach the others so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they look, they won't really see. When they hear, they won't understand. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy, but since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, then they fall away when they face temptation. The seeds that fell among the thorns represents those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And so they never grow into maturity. And the seeds that fell on the ground soil, on the good soil, represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, look at this, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. No one lights a lamp and then covers it with a bowl or hides it under a bed. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all who enter the house. For all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open, and everything that is concealed will be brought to light and made known to all. So pay attention to how you hear. I'm sorry. So pay attention to how you hear. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what they think they understood will be taken away from them. These are Jesus' words. Are you listening? I love that. Pay, this is Jesus. Pay attention to how you hear. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. Are you listening? Are you applying? Are you gaining understanding and wisdom? Are you seeking? Are you developing and cultivating your heart as the Spirit of God is leading you? As he leads, you should follow. You can't do this yourself. Are you asking the Holy Spirit daily, hourly, by the second? Teach me. Show me. Lord, I want to honor you. Or are you resisting? No, no. I, I, I don't want to be fanatic. I, I don't want to, I don't want to be, you know where people are uncomfortable around me. I don't want to have to speak up and tell truth. No, no, no. I'll just keep Christ to myself. And that's not a Christian. That's a fool. We've got to wake up. We've got to live. You're here today, you're gone tomorrow. Here today, gone tomorrow. What is your life? 
What are you spending it on? Whom are you giving yourself to? What are you trying to force in your life that ought not to be there? No, it's Christ and Christ alone. Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but the crowd couldn't get, I'm sorry, but they couldn't get to him because of the crowd. Someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are standing outside and they want to see you. And Jesus replied, my mother and my brothers are all those who hear God's word and obey it. Even Jesus wasn't caught up and entangled with family. He knew those who belonged to him. And we also read at the time in another portion of gospel that Mary and these brothers, these family members were coming because they thought, oh, he's lost his mind. They had their own purpose of coming at that moment. But Jesus knew his purpose. Those who were listening at that moment were his family. Now, ultimately, we see James, ultimately, we see his mother Mary with Jesus. At the end, but right now, Jesus was about his father's business. And my mother and my brothers are those who hear God's word and obey it. Are you among the family of Christ? How would I know? Are you hearing God's word? And are you obeying it? Go to Psalm 69, verse 19 through 36. Psalm 69, verse 19 through 36. Again, a psalm of David. Again, how I hope and I pray that as we're reading through the book of Psalms, as you yourself, I pray in God, I hope that you're sitting down, you're opening up and you're meditating upon God's word and you're going to the book of Psalms to find encouragement, to encourage you to look up, to know your God, to know how to to begin to, to worship your God, how to begin to intercede and to pray to your God and to not allow your circumstances to overwhelm you, to not allow your circumstances to define you. But you are defined by Christ. You know your God, and so then you speak forth what you know as you follow and obey. David was going through a season in life, and now we read his words that were penned. You know of my shame, scorn, and disgrace. You see all that my enemies are doing. Their insults have broken my heart, and I am in despair. If only one person would show pity, if only one would turn and comfort me, but instead they give me poison for food. They offer me sour wine for my thirst. Let the bountiful table set before them become a snare and their prosperity become a trap. Let their eyes go blind so they cannot see and make their bodies shake continually. 
Pour out your fury on them. Consume them with your burning anger. Let their homes become desolate and their tents be deserted. To the one you have punished, they to the one you have punished, they add insult to injury. They add to the pain of those you have hurt. Pile their sins up high and don't let them go free. Erase their names from the book of life. Don't let them be counted among the righteous. I am suffering and I am in pain. Rescue me, O God, by your saving power. Then I will praise God's name with singing, and I will honor Him with thanksgiving. For this will please the Lord more than sacrificing cattle, more than presenting a bull with its horns and hooves. The humble will see their God at work and be glad. Let all who seek God's help be encouraged. For the Lord hears the cries of the needy. He does not despise his imprisoned people. Praise him, O heaven and earth, the seas and all that move in them. For God will save Jerusalem and rebuild the towns of Judah. His people will live there and settle in their own land. The descendants of those who obey him will inherit the land. And those who love him will live there in safety. Do you know your God? Do you know Him? Do you love Him? Are you known by God? Do you have the full understanding of who God is so that you may rest securely in that truth? Do you know what He's going to do to the wicked? Do you understand the eternal hell that is prepared for those who remain rebellious towards Him? It should provoke you to live right. It should provoke you to speak truth. It should provoke you to look up and to know that He is God. And God alone. You can find comfort. That you can rest with the, with the certainty. That you don't have to have any doubt of who he is. Like, do you know your God? Oh, how I pray that you would get to know him daily. Learn of him. Live for him. Love him. Obey him. Go to Proverbs chapter 12, verse 2 and 3. And Proverbs 12 focuses on speech and deeds. The lesson is that the wise are teachable, but the foolish are stubborn in their ignorance. These traits are seen in the way people talk and live. They will know you by your fruit. You ought to know yourself. By your fruit. But I tell you, the greatest deception is that people have deceived themselves into thinking they are wise. But in reality, they're fools. They think they're right with God, and they don't even know God, and God doesn't even know them. Don't be deceived, and don't deceive yourself. 
You're either teachable or you're foolish. You're either being saved or you're heading for destruction. There's no in-between. I'm going to keep saying that. We must know our God. We must be teachable. So these two nuggets of wisdom, Proverbs 12, verse 2 and 3. The Lord approves of those who are good, but He condemns those who plan wickedness. Wickedness never brings stability, but the godly have deep roots. Oh, how I pray your roots are growing down deep into Christ. Again, these two nuggets of wisdom. The Lord approves of those who are good, but He condemns those who plan wickedness. Wickedness never brings stability, but the godly have deep roots. Amen? I'm going to close this with this last song, and then I'll close this in prayer. Yeah. Mm-hmm.